0: You're listening to KZOM, only on public radio. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Man from 2071 by Sewell Peasley Wright, Part 2. You see, said Harbauer, his voice grating with anger, I tried to be courteous to that man, to give him a simple convincing demonstration of the greatest scientific achievement in centuries and the fool returned to write this, to hold me up to ridicule, to paint me as a crack-brained, wild-eyed fanatic. It's hard for the layman to conceive of a great scientific achievement, I said soothingly. All great inventions and inventors have been laughed at by the populace at large. True, true, Harbauer nodded his head solemnly, but just the same— He broke off suddenly and forced a smile. I found myself wishing that he had completed that broken sentence. However, I felt that he had almost revealed something that would have been most enlightening. But enough of that fool and his babblings, he continued. I am here as living proof that my experiment is a success, and I have a tremendous curiosity about the world in which I find myself. This, I take it, is a ship for navigating space. Right. The ertak of the special patrol service. Would you care to look around a bit? I would, indeed. There was a tremendous eagerness in the man's voice. You're not too tired? No, I am quite recovered from my experience. Harbauer leaped to his feet, those abnormally long slitted eyes of his glowing. I am a scientist, and I am curious to see what my fellows have created since since my own era. I picked up my dressing gown and tossed it to him. Slip this on, then, to cover your clothing. You would be an object of too much curiosity to those men who are on duty, I suggested. I was taller than he, and the garment came within a few inches of the floor. He knotted the cincture around his middle, and thrust his hands into the pockets, turning to me for approval. I nodded and motioned for him to precede me through the door. As an officer of the special patrol service, it has often been my duty to show parties and individuals through my ship. Most of these parties are composed of females who have only exclamations to make instead of intelligent comment, and who possess an unbounded capacity for asking utterly asinine questions. It was therefore a real pleasure to show Harbauer through the ship. He was a keen, eager listener. When he asked a question, and he asked many of them, he showed an amazing grasp of the principles involved. My knowledge of our equipment was, of course, only practical, save for the rudimentary theoretical knowledge that everyone has of present day inventions and devices. The ethon tubes which lighted the ship interested him but little, the atomic generators, the gravity pads, their generators, and the disintegrator ray, however, he delved into with that frenzied ardor, of which only a scientist, I believe, is capable. Questions poured out of him, and I answered them as best I could, sometimes completely and satisfactorily, so that he nodded and said, I see, I see, and sometimes so poorly that he frowned and cross-questioned me insistently until he obtained the desired information. In the big soundproof navigating room I explained the operation of the numerous instruments, including the two three-dimensional charts actuated by radial reflexes, the television disc, the attraction meter, the surface temperature gauge and the complex control system forward i added is the operating room you can see it through these glass partitions the navigating officer in command relays his orders to the men in the operating room who attend to the actual execution of those orders just as a pilot or the navigating officer of a ship of my day gives his orders to the quartermaster at the wheel not at harbauer and began firing questions at me again, going over the ground we had covered to check up on his information. I was amazed at the uncanny accuracy with which he had grasped such a great mass of technical detail. It had taken me years of study to pick up what he had taken from me, and apparently retained intact, in something more than an hour earth-time. I glanced at the earth-time clock on the wall of the navigating room, as he triumphantly finished his questioning, less than an hour remained before the time set for our return trip. I'm sorry I commented to be an ungracious host, but I am wondering what your plans may be. You see, we are due to start in less than an hour, and... A passenger would be in your way, Harbauer smiled as he uttered the words, but there was a gleam in his long eyes that rather startled me and I wondered if I had only imagined that steeliness in his voice. "'Don't let that worry you, sir.' "'It's not worrying me,' I replied, watching him closely. "'I have enjoyed a very remarkable, a very pleasant experience. "'If you should care to remain aboard the Urtak, "'I should like exceedingly to have you accompany us to our base, "'where I could place you in touch with other laboratory men "'with whom you would have much in common.' harbauer threw back his head and laughed not pleasantly thanks he said but i have no time for that they could give me no knowledge that i need now you have told me and showed me enough i understand how you have released atomic energy it is a matter so simple that a child should have guessed it and man has wondered about it for centuries knowing that the power was there, but lacking a key to unfetter it, and now I have that key. True, but perhaps our scientists would like in exchange the secret of moving forward in time, I suggested, reasonably enough. What do I care about them? snapped Harbauer. He loosened the cord of the robe with a quick, impatient gesture, as though it confined him too tightly, and threw the garment from him. Then suddenly He took a quick stride toward me and thrust out his ugly head. "'I know enough now to give me power over all the world,' he cried. "'Haven't you guessed the reason for my interest in your engines of destruction? I came down the centuries ahead of my generation so that I might come back with power in my hand, power to wipe out the fools who have made a mock of me, and I have that power here.' he tapped his forehead dramatically with his left hand. "'I will bring a new regime to my era,' he continued, fairly shouting now. "'I will be what many men have tried to be and what no man has ever been—master of the world. Absolute, unquestioned, supreme master.' He paused, his eyes glaring into mine, and I knew from the light that shone— behind those long narrow slits, that I was dealing with a madman. "'True, you will,' I said gently, moving carelessly toward the microphone. With that in my hand, a slight pressure on the general attention signal, and I would have the whole crew of the Urtac here in a moment. But I had explained the workings of the navigating room's equipment only too well. "'Stop,' snarled Harbauer, and his right hand flashed up. "'See this?' "'Perhaps you don't know what it is. I'll tell you. It is an automatic pistol. Not so efficient as your disintegrator ray, but deadly enough. There is certain death for eight men in my hand. Understand?' "'Perfectly.' What an utter fool I had been. I was not armed, and I knew that Harbauer spoke the truth. I had often seen weapons similar to the one he held in the military museums, they are still there, if you are curious, rusty and broken, but not unlike our present atomic pistols in the general appearance. They propelled the bullet by the explosion of a sort of powder, inefficient, of course, but, as he had said, deadly enough for the purpose. Good, you are a good sort, Hanson, but don't take any chances. I'm not going to, I promise you. "'You see,' and he laughed again, the light in his long eyes, dancing with evil, "'I'm not likely to be punished for a few killings committed centuries after I'm dead. I've never killed a man, but I won't hesitate to do so now, if one or more should get in my way.' "'But why?' I asked soothingly. "'Should you wish to kill anyone? You have what you came for, you say. Why not depart in peace?' He smiled crookedly, his eyes narrowed with cunning." You approve of my little plan to dominate the world? He asked softly, his eyes searching my face. No, I said boldly, refusing to lie to him. I do not. And you know it? Very true. He pulled out his watch with his left hand and held it before his eyes, so that he could observe the time without losing sight of me for even an instant. I doubted that I could secure your willing cooperation, therefore I am commanding it. You see, there are certain instruments and pieces of equipment that I should like to take back to my laboratory with me. Perhaps I would be able to reproduce them without models, but with the models my task will be much easier. The question remaining is a simple one, Will you give the proper orders to have this equipment removed to the spot where you first saw me, or shall I be obliged to return to my own era without this equipment, leaving behind me a dead commander of the Special Patrol Service, and any other who may try to stop me? I tried to keep cool under the lash of his mocking voice. I have never been adept at holding my temper when I should, but somehow I managed it this time. Frowning, I kept him waiting for a reply, utilizing the time to do what was perhaps the hardest, fastest thinking of my life. There wasn't a particle of doubt in my mind regarding his ability to make good his threat, nor his readiness to do so. I caught the faint glimmering of an idea and fenced with it eagerly. "'How are you going to go back to your own period, your own era?' I asked him, You told me, I believe, that it was impossible to move backwards in time. That's not answering my question, he said, leering. Don't think you're fooling me, but I'll tell you just the same. I can go back to my own era, that is, back to my own actual existence. I shall return just two hours after I leave. I could not go further back than that, and it's not necessary that I do so, I can go back only because I came from that present. I'm not really of this future at all. I can go back from whence I came. But I objected, thinking of something I had read in the clipping he had showed me. You're not going back to your own era. You cannot. If you returned, you would put your project into execution, and history does not record that activity. I saw from the sudden narrowing of the abnormally long eyes that I had caught his interest, and I pressed my advantage hastily. Remember that all the history of your time is written, Harbauer. It is in the books of earth's history, with which every child of this age and to which you have thrust yourself is familiar. And those histories do not record the domination of the world by yourself. So you are confronted by an impossibility. My reasoning now sounds specious, and yet it was a line of thought which could not be waved aside. I saw Harbauer's black brows knit together and mounting anger dark in his face. I do not know, but I believe I was never nearer death than I was in that instant. Fool, he cried, idiot, imbecile. Do you think you can confuse me, turn me from my purpose with words? Do you? Do you believe me to be a child or a weakling? I tell you, I have planned this thing to the last detail. If I had not found what I sought on this first trip, I would have taken another, a dozen, a score, until I found the information I sought. The last six years of my life I have worked day and night to this end, your histories and your words. My plan had worked. The man was beside himself with insane anger, and in his rage he forgot for an instant that he was my captor. Taking a desperate chance... I launched myself at his legs. His weapon roared over my head just as I struck. I felt the hot gas from the thing beat against my neck. I caught the reeking scent of the smoke. Then we were both on the floor, locked in a mad embrace. Harbauer was a smaller man than myself, but he had the amazing strength of a Zenian. He fought viciously, using every ounce of his strength against me, striving to bring his weapon into use, hammering my head upon the floor, racking my body mercilessly, grunting, cursing, mumbling constantly as he did so. But I was in better trim than Harbauer. I have never seen a laboratory man who could stand the strain of prolonged physical exertion. Bending over test tubes and meters is no life for a man. At grips with him, I was in my own element and he was out of his. I let him wear himself out, exerting myself as little as possible, "'confining my efforts to keeping his weapon "'where he could not use it. "'I felt him weakening at last. "'His breath was coming in great sobs, "'and his long eyes started from their sockets "'with the strained effort he was putting forth. "'And then, with a single mighty effort, "'I knocked the pistol from his hand "'so that it slid across the floor "'and brought up with a crash against the wall of the room. "'Now,' I said, and turned on him, He knew at that moment, when I put forth my strength, that I had been playing with him. I read the shock of sudden fear in his eyes. My right arm went about him in a deadly hold. I had him in a grip that paralyzed him. Grimly, I jerked him to his feet, and he stood there trembling with weakness, his shoulders heaving as his breath came and went through his teeth. You realize, of course, that you're not going back, I said quietly back half dazed he stared at me through the quivering lids of his peculiar eyes what do you mean i mean that you're not going back to your own era you have come to us uninvited and you're going to stay here no he shouted and struggled so desperately to free himself that i was hard put to hold him without tightening my grip sufficiently to dislocate his shoulders you wouldn't do that i must return i must prove to them that's exactly what must not happen and what shall not happen i interrupted and what will not happen you are in a strange predicament harbauer it is already written that you do not return can't you see that man if it were to be that you left this age and returned to your own you would make known your discovery history would record it and history does not record it you are struggling not against me but against against a fate that has been sealed all these centuries. When I had finished, he stared at me as though hypnotized, motionless and limp in my grasp. Then suddenly he began to shake, and I saw such depths of terror and horror in his eyes as I hope never to see again. Mechanically, he glanced down at his watch, lifting his wrist into his line of vision as slowly and ponderously as though it bore a great weight. Two, 2 minutes,' he whispered huskily. "'Then the automatic switch will close back in my laboratory. "'If I am not standing there, where you found me, "'between the disk and the grid of my time machine, "'where the reversed energy can reach me to—to to take me back—God!' "'He sagged in my arms and dropped to his knees, sobbing. "'And yet, what you say is true. "'It is already written that I did not return.' His sobs cut harshly through the silence of the room. Pitying his despair, I reached down to give him a sympathetic pat on the shoulder. It is a terrible thing to see a man break down as Harbauer had done. Had he felt my grip on him relax, he suddenly shot his fist into the pit of my stomach and leaped to his feet. Groaning, I doubled up, weak and nerveless, for the instant from the vicious, unexpected blow ah shrieked tarbauer you soft-hearted fool he struck me in the face sending me crashing to the floor and snatched up his pistol i'm going now he shouted going what do i care for your records and your histories they are not yet written if they were i'd change them he bent over me and snatched from my hand the ring of keys one of which i had used to unlock the door of the navigating room I tried to grip him around the legs, but he tore himself loose, laughing insanely in a high-pitched cackling sound that seemed hardly human. Farewell, he called, mockingly from the doorway. Then the door slammed, and as I staggered to my feet, I heard the lock click. I must have acted then by instinct or inspiration. There was no time to think. It would take him not more than three or four seconds to make his way to the exit, stroll by the guard to the spot where he had found him and disappear by the time i could arouse the crew and have my orders executed his time would be up and unless the whole affair were some terrible nightmare he would go hurtling back through time to his own era armed with a devastating knowledge there was only one possible means of preventing his escape in time i ran across the room to the emergency operating controls cut in the atomic generators with one hand, and pulled the vertical ascent lever to full power. There was a sudden shriek of air, and my legs almost thrust themselves through my body. Quickly, I pushed the lever back until, with my eye on the altimeter, I held the ertak at her attained height—something over a mile, as I recall it. Then I pressed the general attention signal and snatched up the microphone." Less than a minute later, Corrie and Hendricks, fellow officers, were in the room and besieging me with solicitous questions. It had been my idea, of course, to keep Harbauer from leaving the ship, but it was not so destined. Shiro, the sentry on duty outside the urtak, was the only witness to Harbauer's fate. I was watching my post, sir, he reported, watching the sun come up, when suddenly I heard the sound of running feet inside the ship. I turned toward the entrance and drew my pistol to be in readiness. I saw the stranger we had taken into the ship appear at the exit, which, as you know, was open. Just as I opened my mouth to command him to halt, the ertak shot up from the ground at terrific speed. The stranger had been about to leap upon me. Indeed, he had discharged some sort of weapon at me, for I heard a crash of sound and a missile of some kind, as you know, pass through my arm as the ship left the ground he tried to draw back but he was off balance and the inertia of his body momentarily incapacitated him i think he slipped clutched at the gangway across the threads which seal the exit and then at a height i estimate to be around five hundred feet he fell the urtac shot on up until it was lost to sight and the stranger crashed to the ground a few feet from where i was standing on almost exactly the spot where we first saw him sir And now, sir, comes the part I guess you'll find hard to believe. When he struck the ground, he was smashed flat. He died instantly. I started to run toward him, and then? And then I stopped. My eyes had not left the spot for a moment, sir, but he, his body, that is, suddenly disappeared. That's the truth, sir, for I saw it with my own eyes. There wasn't a sign of him left. I see, I replied. I believe that I did. He had gone straight up and his body, by no great coincidence, had fallen upon the spot close to the exit of the urtak, where we had first found him, and his machine and operation had brought him, or rather his mangled body, back to his own age. You have not mentioned this affair to anyone, Shiro? No, sir, it wasn't anything you'd be likely to tell. Nobody would believe you. I went at once to have my arm attended to and then reported here according to orders. Very good, Shiro. Keep the entire affair to yourself. I will make all the necessary reports. That is an order. Understand? Yes, sir. Then that will be all. Take good care of your arm. He saluted with his good hand and left me. Later in the day, I wrote in the log-book of the Ertak the report I mentioned at the beginning of this tale. Just before departure, discovered stowaway, apparently demented, and ejected him. That was a perfectly truthful statement, and it served its purpose. I have given the whole story in detail just to prove what I have so often contended, that these owlish laboratory men, whom this age reveres so much, are not nearly so wise and omnipotent as they think they are. I am quite sure that they would have discredited, or attempted to discredit my story had I told it at the time, They would have resented the idea that someone so much ahead of them had discovered a principle that still baffles this age of ours, and I would have had no evidence to present. Perhaps even now the story will be discredited. If so, I do not care. I am much too old, and too near the portals of that impenetrable mystery, in the shadow of which I have stood so many times, to concern myself with what others may think or say, I know that what I have related here is the truth, and in my mind I have a vivid and rather pitiful picture of a mangled body, bloody and alone, in the barn-like structure the ancient paper had described, a body broken and motionless, lying athwart the striated metal disc like a sacrificial victim, a victim and a sacrifice of science. There have been many such."